Namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Buddhang Dhammang Sankhang Namasami Earlier today, Lumpur uh, asked if uh, I would give a talk this evening and uh, Ajahn Chandasiri uh, tomorrow, and uh, the image that immediately popped into my mind as I'd um, just been reading about uh, some undersea uh, creatures was of a, a, a vast whale, uh, and then next to it this minuscule little krill. <laughs> As a little <laughs> microscopic shrimp sort of looks at the this you know vast leviathan and and thinking well <laughs> uh, I'll be certainly happy to offer my little my little shrimp like bit but um, I think we've all appreciated uh, uh, Ajahn Sumato's um, vast and uh, <coughs> uh, whale uh, whale dimensioned uh, teachings <laughs> and um, have such a great power and immensity and um, even though I uh, lived with him in uh, in England uh, and shared monasteries there together with him for about getting um, <coughs> on for let's see, uh, 15 years or so um, it's quite rare that I actually hear him uh, giving teachings nowadays. So I actually, I was reflecting on it today, and I think it was here three years ago was the last time I heard him give any give a dhamma talk. So this is a great treat for me, also <laughs> a great opportunity to be uh, in his presence and to hear his his uh, inimitable um, uh, reflections uh, on on dhamma and the, uh, also just to. Uh, appreciate the uh, uh, the increasing uh, directness and um, uh, no mucking aboutness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a per- there's a there's a, uh, a, a, an English word that quite that, that covers it, but uh, there's a um, an urgency in a way and uh, and a uh, a frillessness that uh, is very apparent in his teachings. Uh, one of the things that is very striking and um, in, in uh, previous occasions when he's taught here and in, uh, in the uh, monastic retreats and over the years, he, he has often emphasized these elements of um, the what are called the fetters or the sangyojana, um, but often not quite in such um, 
starkly and clearly outlined ways. I remember last time uh, uh, in 2005 when he was teaching here and uh, a few days into the retreat I realized, oh, every Dhamma talk he gives is either about self-view or about doubt or about uh, attachment to convention. So and it seems like he's actually outlining the obstructions to, to stream entry, but um, not naming them uh, as such, maybe because he, he's uh, conscious of how uh, attainment-oriented people get and he doesn't want to be sort of talking about it in such um, uh, specific terms, but I, I know, as, as we've all noticed, <laughs> I'm sure, in this time, that he's uh, outlining these very, very clearly highlighted, underlined three times in red: <laughs> sakaya ditti, self-view, and uh, sila Paramasa, attachment to conventions or social conditioning, and such. And uh, then. Uh, Vichikicha, doubt. And uh, uh, I've certainly appreciated the, the, the clarity and directness of these teachings and, and also the, the sense of how uh, important uh, he feels it to be to, to be recognizing this dimension of Dhamma practice. Because there's so, like, like so many things in life, there's all sorts of different ways we can direct our attention and things we can put our minds on and ways we can occupy our time. But uh, what uh, I've been feeling and reflecting on, and, and he's certainly been reiterating over and over during these talks, uh, morning and evening every day, is uh, this is the key piece. <laughs> get, this, get this clear, and everything else will, will fall into place. Uh, if we just get this right, if this is just uh, clarified, and this is, uh, the, this is seen as a central, and we develop, uh, an understanding uh, of these qualities and uh, and learn how to uh, free the heart from them. Then, you know, in a way, all the rest is gravy. <laughs> the, uh, there's a collection of teachings that the the uh, the Buddha gave, and there's many many uh, on, on this area of uh, stream entry. But there's a particular collection uh, uh, in the uh, Sangyutta Nikaya, the connected discourses. It's called the, the, the Collected Teachings on the Breakthrough. And in this uh, series of, of a dozen or so uh, short discourses, the Buddha gives a series of images about the importance of stream entry, which in, in those circumstances he, just, he refers to as the breakthrough. He said, uh, he, the first one, he, he uh, scratches the ground in front of him and, and holds up his finger and says, what do you think, O monks? <laughs> what, is, what is greater in quantity, the amount of earth uh, the amount of dirt under my fingernail, or the great earth itself? Um, well, uh, Venerable Sir, the, <laughs> the amount of dirt under your fingernail is very small, and, and the great earth, the planet, is, is, is very large indeed. <laughs> and then uh, he says, well, just so, the amount of, of, uh, of suffering that one can expect to uh, experience if one hasn't reached the breakthrough is equivalent to the great earth. And the amount of suffering that one can expect to experience uh, once a breakthrough has been reached is equivalent to the dirt under my fingernail. So he had a way of getting his message across. <laughs> and then similarly, in all the other teachings, he says um, things like, what do you think is, is greater? The, uh, uh, the, um, uh, a few grains of, uh, of sand from the, from the riverbank or the, the Himalayan mountains? Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> 
few grains of sand from the rift bank is, is, is very small in quantity, and the, the Himalayas are very great indeed, and this is just so. The, uh, the amount of suffering, the amount of difficulty we can expect to experience, not having reached the breakthrough, not having seen through these, uh, these fetters, uh, is like the Himalayas, but uh, once that's been seen through, then it's just like a few grains of sand. It's, it's nothing, it's negligible, it's, it's completely insignificant. So the, these images that the, the Buddha puts across are, uh, he, uh, are there to get our attention, to recognize, yeah, this is important. <laughs> that if we, if we get this clear within ourselves, then, and this is really understood, this is going to make an, ab, uh, an absolute difference to our lives. This will genuinely make our life very, very different. And, uh, and the experience of, of freedom, uh, in particular, the, free, the experience of, of peace and understanding, will be... Uh, uh, incomparably great comparison to when the mind is uh, caught up with uh, with other concerns, other preoccupations. And one of the, um, the, the things that uh, actually just at, at tea time today that Lumpur was, was uh, talking about his, his aim in focusing so much on, on self-view on Sakaya Ditti is to uh, clarify the, the, the difference between the, just the, the faculty that we have of, of, uh, of knowing or of awareness and how that gets co-opted by the, 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 um, the sense of self. Uh, in the, the morning chanting that, um, that we do every day in the monastery, we haven't done the second section of it during this retreat so far, but there's um, <clears throat> a little section that, that's reflecting on the Dhamma teachings, and it points out the, the different kinds of identification, identification with the body, with, uh, with feelings, with perceptions, with mental formations, and identification with consciousness. And uh, in a sense, that's what, that's what um, this uh, area of Sakaya Ditti is, is pointing to. It's the habit we have of identifying with consciousness. So rather than there being knowing, it's the feeling of I know, I experience, I'm the, I, I'm the actor, I'm the doer, I'm the feeler, I'm the, uh, the one who's experiencing, uh, I'm the one, there's a person here who is doing the knowing, who's, do, who's the experiencer. And that uh, in, in clarifying this quality of Sakaya Ditti, uh, it's bringing the light of wisdom onto that area, that, that knot of, of attachment, and that identification that is uh, so much a, a, an inarguable, <laughs> uncontested part of our life. Well, of course I know, of course I experience, I feel, I feel. Yeah, I know, I think. Of course, <laughs> stands to reason, it's obvious, everyone, uh, everyone does this. And so that, that's why the, the, the teaching has to be brought to, to bear right on it, because it, it's, it's because it seems so obvious, it, it's because it seems so uh, unremarkable, so ordinary. Uh, that's, uh, th this is why it needs to be really looked at. And, and so you know, Lumpur has been uh, addressing it over and over again. And it's also, in, in the interviews, it's really wonderful to, to uh, have a sense for, for so many of you who are really uh, able to understand this and, and working with it and really uh, genuinely freeing the heart from that, that delusion.
So the, the freeing the, the heart from sakaya ditti, the, literally the etymology of it, sa means true or real, kaya means the body or form, ditti is a view, so the, the, real, the view of the real body or the view of the real person. It's that, uh, uh, as we're all probably very aware now, it's that, that uh, assumption of I am the body, I am the personality, I am the experiencer, I am the doer, this is, this is who and what I am. And that by bringing the, these, uh, this quality of awareness to that and just being able to see that, that p- the pervasiveness and the, the matter-of-factness that, that that has and then to be able to challenge it. This is a wonderful, you know, deeply uh, precious and wonderful opportunity that we have, to, uh, an encouragement that we have to bring that light of awareness, the light of, of wisdom of our own hearts onto that and to, to get to know that, and just to, to uh, illuminate it and realize this is a, this is a, 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 a conjuring trick, this is a, a sleight of hand, this isn't actually the whole story. There's the impression that I'm the doer, I'm the knower, I'm the experiencer. But what is that I am? What is that, that, that I-ness, that me-ness, that minus? Does it really have any solidity, any, any substance? One of the practices that, that uh, certainly I, I've benefited a lot, and, and, I've, and Lumpur has talked about, and, and I've been uh, encouraging uh, a lot in the interviews, is, uh, is when we get very used to, uh, to say, uh, concentration practice or, or vipassana meditation, there's a way that we can habituate uh, ourselves to working with thought and uh, mental activity that you know, we might uh, notice a, a thought going through the mind, yeah, I feel, I think, I want, or I remember. And then the, the habit or the training is even to, to brush that aside or to let go of it, say, oh, it's just a thought, let go. It's just a thought arising and ceasing, let it go. And then when it's a, a judgment or a, an I am thought, you know, I, I hope, I feel, I remember, I wish, I want, you know, I think, if you ask me, <laughs> my opinion is, all that I, me, my thinking, then in the same way we can, we can uh, follow naturally enough uh, the, the habit of, of wanting to let that go and saying, well, it's just a thought, let go of it. But there can be a way that, that, that there's a, a subtle dismissiveness or a not-so-subtle dismissiveness to that, okay, uh, an urge to get rid of it, to wipe it out. This doesn't belong, this is an intruder, get out of here. And that, that um, uh, dismissiveness can actually empower that, that this is a real thing that has the ability to, to occupy the mind, it's, it's got a valid story to tell um, and it, it doesn't belong here because that's not the story I'm interested in. And so we unconsciously invest in that and, and reify it by the very effort to, to, to push it away or to, kind of quote, let go of it. So um, uh, one of the practices that, that uh, Long Paul has been uh, mentioning a few times and uh, I find really helpful is just to to bring that in, to, to, get, to get those statements and judgments and, uh, and get them to, to speak up. So it's rather like, you know, you've got the, got the lights on here, okay, <laughs> we have right at the center in the shrine, you know, bring it in, put it in, the, put it in front of your shrine and say, okay, talk to me. I think that I, it would be much better if I did this, or I wish I wasn't like that, or I remember when. And then also using the, the, the nada sound to to, to do this quite deliberately. So when you notice a, a train of thought going through and a judgment happening or a memory or a plan or such like, then 
uh, noticing that, then bring attention to the nada sound, let the mind be focused on that, and then repeat the same statement as it's come through your mind. You know. I really hate such and such. Or, uh, when the retreat's over, I'm going to. <laughs> I remember when. And then invite it in, uh, listen to the silence, let it spell itself out, paying close attention to it. What I really want is, I'm a useless meditator. <laughs> I think I'm really getting the hang of this. Whatever it might be, just let, it, let it be clearly stated. And then when you finish the sentence, just l- again listen to the, the, the nada sound. And then what happens is that there's this, uh, in that clarity of, of uh, apprehension, then we start to, to intuit the, the insubstantiality of that thought or that attitude. Something in the heart knows this is just an impression, it is just a thought, it's just a, a wave of feeling. There isn't anything there. This is, this is not the whole story. And it's not just the, 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 the mind trying to convince itself of that. There's a, a direct intuitive apprehension of that. It's like, oh, it's just a thought. It's just an attitude, nothing special. And, and then we find ourselves much more able to, to let go of that and to the heart to be released from that. Now, as we, we've been working with, uh, uh, particularly with, with self-view and Sakaya Ditti uh, over this, this time, then, uh, and it might be that, uh, uh, that you find that it's, it's uh, very effective to work with the mind in this, this kind of way, and we can really track those um, identifications with the, with the body or with our story or with our personality and all of those I am feelings. Um, and that there is a, a certain quality of liberation that, that comes from, from attending to that and being aware of that. But uh, also we might notice that even when that, that Sakaya Ditti and, and the others fall away, there's uh, still a, 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 can be a sense of, of confinement or a, a quality of, of um, uh, limitation of, uh, or of burdenness. There's still... Uh, a subtle, or not so subtle, <laughs> a hardening of the heart or a, a quality of, of uh, alienation. And at first we don't notice that because the, the mind is, maybe, you know, there's maybe such a, a loudness of, uh, of thinking and activity that we, we don't notice that... Um, that la- extra layers of, of uh, identification when there's so much kind of noisy activity going on. But it's rather like when, you, when all of the, the, the guests have, have left and you've got the place to yourself, and then you start to notice, well, oh, this place really needs a clean-up. <laughs> I, I could do with a tidy here. There's a few cobwebs I didn't notice, and it's so busy with all the visitors. There's a very uh, significant little sutta um, where a monk called Yamaka, someone, uh, he's, he's having a discussion with some of the other monastics, and, and they're talking about these different qualities of liberation. And he says, it's certainly the case that I've seen through uh, uh, self-view and doubt and uh, <coughs> attachment to conventions. He says, there's, there's, there's uh, uh, no doubt that, uh, that, that break, the breakthrough has been uh, realized. 
However, there's still a quality of identification that goes on within the heart. He said it's like a flower. You know, that when you, you look at a flower, you, you, uh, you, you pick up a flower, it has a fragrance, and you can't say that the fragrance in the stalk or the petals or the leaves, or, you, know, you can't pick out exactly where the, the scent is, but the, the, there's a scent that, that gathers around the flower. He says, so I look at the five khandhas, and I see that the, I know, that, you know the body is not self, feelings are not self, perceptions are not self, mental formations are not self, and, and even... Uh, even consciousness, I can, I can see, is, is not self. There's not a, any apparent identification with any of those uh, coarse uh, uh, qualities of the five khandhas. But still, there's this feeling of I am that's lingering, right? And so um, he says that this is um, a, a whole different layer of identification that, that, is, that the teachings address, so that whereas... Sakaya self-view is, is there in the first three of the of the ten fetters. So that's um, part of the obstacles to to stream entry. That right at the other end of it, and and, and uh, was mentioning this the other day at the at the upper end of the of the scale in the last three of the fetters. The, there's uh, the quality of asmimana. So the last three fetters are asmimana and udacha, restlessness and avijja, ignorance. So this is a really interesting area of practice because sometimes you might, we might feel like, okay, we can, we can let go of Sakaya Diti. There's certainly the, there's no identification with the body or the personality or the story. That's all, that's all you know, happily fallen away and that's absolutely clear that's not who and what I am. But there can still be this I feeling that's not attached to any object. But there's an I-ness, a me-ness, a minus that's just floating around like, like Yamaka is saying about the, the scent of the flower. You can't... You can't say exactly where the scent is, is located, but it's there. And that, that's the image that he, de- he uses to describe his own, uh, uh, his own uh, state at that time and pointing out that he's, he's not uh, fully liberated, he's not an arahant, because that, that I am feeling is still hovering, it's still there. So this is an interesting uh, area of, of, uh, of practice for us, and particularly as the, the retreat proceeds to be exploring that, even if there isn't a, a distinct uh, place or a location for the for the uh, for Sakaya Diti, for self-view to be located. It's not around a story, it's not around the body, it's not around you know, our personality, our age, or our gender, or anything. But still, is that, is that feeling around, that the I, me, my feeling, not, not tied to any particular experience or object whatsoever? but still hovering there. Oh, one, uh, one way that we can use to, to work with that, that that's, uh, that's helpful, is the, the use of inquiry and uh, asking the, those questions. Uh, as uh, as Paul has been describing, who am I? And exploring that uh, that uh, that question, or just even making a statement, just uh, I find it very helpful just to uh, again using the the nada sound or focusing the mind on that, then just raising the ra- raising the statement, I. <laughs> just that no 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 story no uh, uh, no uh, 
not even a setting for it, but just, uh, just bringing that up into consciousness, I, or I am. And then in, that, in, in bringing that up, as that's raised, and noticing what's the effect on the heart when that's, when that's brought into being. And then similarly, when, when, that, uh, uh, when that's brought up, and we, that's explored, then how uh, we can experience a quality of transparency to that, and how uh, it's, it can seem disorienting in some respects. What a strange thing to think, I, <laughs> or me. It's basic you know, cardinal assumptions about, uh, about life, about experience, and the, the, the source of our, our being. And that is when we, we bring that into the focus of attention and look at that directly. Something in the heart goes, oh, what an odd thought. <laughs> and and the, the habitual uh, density or, or compacting, the contraction that happens around that, that thought or that assumption or that attitude, then in that moment it, it can be you know, released, it, it, it can fall away and the heart can be free to that. So this is really clarifying the, this uh, attribute of, of awareness or knowing, that it's a, it's a freeing of that, uh, that awareness from any kind of uh, quality of, of alienation, uh, our identification. Like the, in the chanting that we do, we say, you know, the Buddha is the, the knower of the worlds. And that uh, <coughs> the Buddha, which is a refuge, is this very quality of wisdom, is this very quality of knowing. But the, 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 so much of the, the practice in developing this, this uh, aspect of, of the meditation is about how to establish that quality of awareness and knowing without their... Um, be any I, me or my feeling around that. And that's, this is what is really meant by taking refuge in Buddha. It's being that awareness, but without any, uh, any solidification of the I or me or my feeling around that. It's tricky to do, but it's also it's, uh, it's the crucial element. It's the, the fundamentally liberating element. The more that, that uh, this quality of awareness can be truly freed from any kind of conceit, Asmi mana literally means the conceit of I am. Asmi means I am. Mana is conceit, the conceit of I am. As the heart freed from that conception, that conceiving of an I, <laughs> that uh, is the, uh, uh, the, such a, a pervasive habit, then the more that we naturally experience freedom. Sometimes I like to think of the, 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 the I as like the prison bars, like I, 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 I. <laughs> That, that fence the heart in. That's like it's the uh, that's the the jail. Because oftentimes we think, well, how can I be? How can I free my? I want freedom. I want to be free. We all want to be free, but the 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 the, the, the savage irony is that the the uh, the person is is the prison. The eye is the is the imprisoning agent. Another element of, uh, of the practice that we can run into is, um, and in developing insight meditation and uh, this quality of wisdom, is the, <clears throat> that we can somehow abstract the, the, uh, the 
aspect of knowing and in a way make ourselves into a, some sort of sterilized uh, witness. You know, we, there, sometimes you'll we talk about, in, you'll hear teachings talking about the witness consciousness or being the observer or even being the one who knows. And so in the very effort to establish that witnessing or, or, obser- or the observer or the one who knows, that there can be this strange and subtle way that we sort of turn ourselves into some sort of closed-circuit TV camera. You know? <laughs> we sort of become this, this data reception unit that's, that's uh, receiving and, uh, and uh, attending to experience and feeling and thought. Um, but it, uh, and qu- doing it quite accurately, you know, quite uh, thoroughly and you know, watching everything and, and seemingly following all the instructions, being the observer, being the one who knows, being the witness. But if, uh, if you notice that if, if this is something that, uh, that you've been uh, aware of, you'll notice there's a strange kind of sterility in that as well, isn't there? It's a sort of um, a, a weird alienation even though there might be a, a, a clear uh, re, uh, tracking of all of the data, <laughs> there's, a, there's a kind of a sterility and barrenness, uh, a, a lifelessness that goes along with that. Well, one of the, the qualities of the, of, the, of the Buddha, then, is not just the, being the knower of the world, but also there's in the, the mixtures of, uh, in, in the different characters, there's uh, vijja charana sampano, which is translated uh, perfect in, in, uh, in knowledge and, and uh, conduct, I think. How does it? Perfect in knowledge and conduct, right? <laughs> we keep changing the translation. But. So the vijja is, is knowing or awareness. But it's also it's it's uh, in it's combined with with activity or, or conduct. There's a way that those things are conjoined. So it's not just the the Buddha principle is not just an abstracted awareness that's totally disconnected from the 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 living world, but it's also utterly meshed with uh, with uh, uh, with the world of beings and things. It's, there's a, a fundamental attunement to the, the sense world that goes with that, uh, that uh, unentangled awareness. Now, this is a, a tricky principle to, to uh, understand conceptually, but it's also really important to, to get a, a feeling for how these work together. Because sometimes when we're trying to sort of be the witness or, or sort of not, and, and Lumpur has been stressing a lot, sort of not doing and, and uh, not getting uh, not trying to, to become anything or, or, or get things. And so there can be a, a sense of hands off, you know, I'm not supposed to do anything or want anything or <laughs> interfere or practice anything, you know, heaven forbid. You know, but there can be a, that sense of um, I should somehow uh, disengage. And that, uh, assuming that that quality of, of, of awareness is, brings with it a sort of passivity or a, a disconnection. But that, that's not what really is being embodied in the, in the, the, the Buddha principle, this, the quality of awareness, because it's, it's also an utter attunement to the, the world, a sensitivity to, to people and things, and time and place, and, and a tremendous respectfulness and, uh, and love for, the, for the, the world. And the other evening, uh, you know, Lumpur was talking about this, how metta, 
uh, and upeka are, are very fundamental principles in, in terms of Dhamma practice and, and using the, the terminology saying these are these are, are not conditioned, they're unconditional, not unconditioned qualities. This is interesting to reflect on in this way. So one of the other things that I like to um, to, to look at or, or I feel embodies this this blending of both total detachment and total uh, involvement is the, the word that the Buddha used to refer to himself, which is uh, Tathagata. And uh, this is uh, one of those themes that's really uh, useful to, to pick up and explore, because the word Tathagata, again, doing a little etymology here, <laughs> it has two parts, and uh, for literally for centuries, millennia, there's been debate on what exactly the Buddha meant by coining this word, because he invented the word himself. Apparently. So he invented it to refer to, to him, uh, his own nature and the, to the enlightened mind. So tat means uh, thus or such. And, and gata, like buddhangsaranangachami, means, means to go, it's from the verb to go. And then agata, if you have an A on the front, means to come. Gata is to go, agata to come. So is it tat agata? Or tata gata? Is it gone to suchness or come to suchness? Is the Buddha totally gone, utterly beyond, completely liberated, totally detached, utterly transcendent? Or is, he, is the Buddha principle totally here, utterly present, imminent? Has it arrived at suchness or gone to suchness? Here or gone? And uh, there's one, uh, one of those wonderful moments in um, Buddhist academia where D.T. Suzuki in one of his books says, the word Tathagata is totally untranslatable. It is utterly beyond any kind of description and then spends 14 pages <laughs> <laughs> taking the word apart and, and you know, riffing on it and explaining what it means. <clears throat> and so, but in D.T. Suzuki is not the only one. Over the centuries, many, many people have a- analyzed this word and tried to say what the Buddha really meant. And so, in that tradition, <laughs> I also... Uh, put in my my uh, my little Krillsworth mm-hmm. that uh, my uh, the feeling that I have because the Buddha was very fond of word plays and double meanings is that he deliberately chose an ambiguous term that he meant it to to refer to to imply both totally present and totally gone utterly immanent uh, come to suchness utterly present and also gone uh, utterly transcendent completely beyond. And the, 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 this principle of awareness that we're, we're talking about and reflecting on so much during this, this time together has both the, embodies both of those qualities, both total presence and total abandonment. And as an utter letting go and an, an, an uninvolvement and, and a, a complete objectivity and an utter subjectivity, completely attuned and connected to the world of things and beings, and, uh, and utterly uh, unencumbered, unentangled. And to the thinking mind, it's like, well, is it, is it A or B? Is it, is it arrived or is it gone? Is it here or is it, is it not here? What? Yeah. But the, the, the rational mind is, is um, a useful tool, but you can't use it to, to measure the fundamental reality of things. It doesn't have enough 
dimensions to really uh, represent the, the the Dhamma. It can only you know, uh, point. It can use words and concepts to, to point at the reality. But the 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 that truth itself, the Dhamma itself, can only be realized you know, through uh, direct awakening and opening of the heart. Also, in this in this light, then reflecting on on uh, what Lumpur was saying the other day about uh, metta being uh, uh, unconditioned, and uh, incidentally, that was the first time I've ever heard that said. <laughs> Just in case any of you were wondering, but, uh, you know, Lumpur was very uh, uh, gifted at being able to come up with fresh angles on on teachings or ways of using familiar dhamma terms or. Uh, ideas that, that no one's ever thought of before, or certainly are not uh, uh, customary angles. And so, when when he was talking about that the other evening, I thought, "Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way." But then uh, I was I was considering it uh, today and uh, uh, exploring it some more during the the meditation and and, uh, and discussions with people, and I realized, well, actually, uh, I have uh, thought of it in that way before, and that. Um, but maybe not in quite those same terms, because uh, <clears throat> what what I I, uh, I found is that rather than meta being thought of as some kind of um, particular practice or or a uh, um, a separate form of, of meditation of uh, say consciously developing loving kindness as a particular mind state. And spreading that out to, to ourselves and other beings, oh, well, I, I often uh, like to, to talk about talk about it and ref, and uh, refer to it myself. Is I often will say how that if you if we want to develop any kind of concentration or insight, that there needs to be uh, the the heart has to be established in in loving kindness before any kind of concentration or insight can be developed, that rather than being a, a sort of secondary or extra practice, because sometimes we, metta is, is a, uh, it's like a sort of after-dinner mint, you know, like let's do sort of 10 minutes of metta to end the evening, or like let's sort of do a little metta just to sort of warm things up and kind of brighten the ambience a little. But rather than, than thinking, and I'm, uh, yeah, obviously that's, that's um, not entirely how people think of it, but it can easily go that way. So it's far, far more useful and, and, and practically how I tend to relate to it. And, and, and uh, I feel what Lumpur was talking about was how what, that, what loving kindness is, is rather than just as a sentiment of, uh, I want you to be happy, I want all beings to be happy, it's far more uh, radical than that. It's that, uh, that recognition within the heart that everything belongs. Everything belongs, and that, and as the kind of language that he he has used over the years, rather than metta being like trying to to like everything, but it's more to do with not dwelling in aversion to anything, and and uh, that that sort of language is most helpful to us. It's like a radical acceptance that everything belongs. So whether it's things that we approve of and we like, you know, good you know, goodness and kindness and and um, wholesome behavior and respectfulness, or whether it's 
uh, violence and aggression and selfishness and greed and jealousy and uh, anger within ourselves or in, uh, in the people around us is recognizing that yeah, all these things are part of nature. Our nature and the nature of the world. The, uh, the king snake out in the <laughs> on the path. Yeah, that, uh, the, even though it might not be dangerous to us, it certainly sounds like it's dangerous to rattlesnakes. So <laughs> probably it gives the gophers and the, and the uh, ground squirrels a hard time as well. The violence is part of nature. It's part of our nature. Uh, anger, aggression, fear, jealousy. Yeah, these are part of the whole system. They're part of the, the universe. Everything belongs. And it's that uh, quality of metta that is, is unconditioned or unconditional is that, that attitude, that recognition that everything belongs. So my restless feelings of my mind, the, the, the focused and peaceful feelings of my mind, the, the lustful impulses, the fearful impulses, the, the generous and kind impulses, the, the clear moments, the confused and chaotic moments, the um, well-coordinated and orderly thoughts, and the utterly bizarre, chaotic, meaningless thoughts. <laughs> Other people's thoughts, you know, that you know, sometimes when we're sitting here in the hall to get, you know, all together, you might find something wandering through that you recognize, I never use that phraseology. <laughs> where, where did that one come from? That must have leaked in from somebody three rows behind. Or from three lifetimes ago, you know, who knows? But, uh, the, um, the recognition or the attitude of metta is that it all belongs. The, the clear and the, and the wholesome and the chaotic and the, and the wild, the profane and the, and the beautiful, the sacred and, the, and the, the mundane. It all belongs. And then on that basis of recognizing that everything belongs, it couldn't, exi- it couldn't exist if it wasn't part of nature. Then, on that basis of, of total acceptance uh, and recognizing everything belongs, then we, uh, we can bring in the quality of a discriminating wisdom that, that recognizes, well, if this is followed, then it'll lead to more confusion and chaos and, and conflict between myself and others. And if this is followed, then it'll lead to more, towards more clarity and peace and, and understanding. And so it's, uh, it's not that you're, you're looking at the one as, as intrinsically good and the other as intrinsically bad, but it's just more of a question of well, which direction do you want to go? Like, so when you get out onto the, to the, the, the driveway outside of Spirit Rock, of course you turn right. <laughs> Everybody turns right, first of all. But if you want to go to, to San Francisco, then after you've turned right, <laughs> then you loop back through Woodacre and you, you, head, you head left. You go down Sir Francis Drake heading eastwards. And that's where you want. you want to go to San Francisco. If you want to go to Point Reyes or you want to go out to Petaluma, then you keep going right. So if you want to go to San Francisco, it's not that, that, that rightness is evil <laughs> or intrinsically, uh, intrinsically bad or, or um, delusory. It's just that's not where you want to go. If you want to go to San Francisco, it's going to be a really long run if you, just go, if you turn right and keep going right. <laughs> You're not going to get to where you want to go. So it's, it's uh, on that basis then that we are steering the mind towards what is wholesome, what is beautiful, what is noble, uh, what is uh, modest and, and generous. 
uh, and steering away from what is chaotic, what is uh, destructive, what is uh, painful to ourselves and others. So that it's, it's a, a recogni recognition, these are simple worldly dhammas, wholesome and unwholesome. But uh, if there's that basis of, of metta, first of all, then we're not reacting blindly to the, to, you know, the things that are good that we then grab hold of and say, yeah, this is great, or the things that are, are unwholesome. Oh, this is terrible, that's bad, how can I do that? And that uh, because of the, the fundamental understanding, that there's this recognition that everything is part of, of the natural order. It's all Dhamma. Everything belongs. So uh, this is um, a, a teaching that uh, is invariably useful, and I would really encourage um, recollecting this in terms of all of the of the. Um, the way the the, uh, the different dimensions of working with the mind during this this time together and in our in our efforts of spiritual training generally, because it's it's so easy to fall into concrete judgments. So this is good, that's bad. You know, this is good about me. This is bad about me. This is what we praise or criticize in other people, and it reflects a fundamental lack of metta for ourselves and for uh, other. Uh, other beings and other aspects of, of uh, the world. And that when we, we recognize that and, and shift the attitude so that, it, that we establish a genuine and, and real basis of, of metta, of, of loving kindness, when, that we make, when there's the effort to, to truly make that the foundation, then the, the, uh, the steering of the mind towards focusing, towards concentration, steering it towards... Yeah, insight and the qualities of wisdom, then they are all in tune with Dhamma. They're not feeding the dualistic habits of this is good, that's bad, this is right, that's wrong, this is beautiful, that's ugly, I approve of this, I disapprove of that. Because all of that will continually feed into Sakaya Ditti and, and concretize that sense of self and other and, and, and feed those, those habits of alienation. When there is that basic... Uh, Metta, that basic love and uh, and appreciation, acceptance for all things, even the most ugly and, and nasty secret sides of ourselves that you, we really don't want anyone to know about, <laughs> that we're really afraid that, that someone's going to find out about one day. <laughs> all of that, that 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 we can accept all of uh, those dimensions, all those attributes of our being, and recognize, yeah, well, that's part of it too. This is part of the whole mixture. And then let the heart relax around that, to have that quality of, of respect and acceptance. Then, then, surprisingly enough, even though we talk about it in terms of accepting uh, ourselves, then in that very uh, deep and genuine acceptance, that, that real love uh, for even the totally unlikable elements of our being, that we're, that we're really... Um, uh, regretful of, or, or embarrassed about, or, or um, pained by the, the recollection of, that it's, it's mysterious how it works, that in that acceptance of it, then there's a, 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 also a genuine apprehension of its transparency, its insubstantiality. As long as we're regretting it and fearing it and, and 
bewailing it and hiding it and, and not, uh, not wanting to acknowledge it, then we, we, we solidify it, we, we reify it. But in that quality of, of recognizing that it belongs and having, having metta for, for that. And also in the other events of our lives or the people that we, we share the world with and there's figures that, uh, of, of those in our world who've, who've hurt us or deliberately caused us pain or others caused others pain that to find the place in the heart where we, we genuinely know that they belong and that we allow that in and know that fully accept that then we are able to know the um, the insubstantiality of that too and then out of that that uh, appreciation of the the emptiness of things then we find a, a natural response can can flow if there's something to to be done about some aspect of our nature or the the, the world that we live with and the, uh, then we act uh, from that if there's nothing to be done then we, we can leave things alone and allow things just to be known and to be felt as they are so I'd like to offer these thoughts for your consideration uh, please take whatever is useful The Lord, the perfectly enlightened and blessed one, I render homage to the Buddha, the blessed one. The teaching so completely explained by him, I bow to the Dhamma. The Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well, I bow to the Sangha.